From the studios of Morgan State University, WEAA 88.9 FM, this is Jazz 101. I'm your host, Tom Galker, and our topic tonight is jazzy blues, two art forms that were created in America merging together. Tonight we have in the studio Bradley Alston. Bradley Alston wrote an amazing article on jazzy blues in the fall edition of the Blues Rag found on mojoworkin.com. Bradley Alston is an educator and a staff writer for the Baltimore Blues Society. Bradley, thank you for joining Jazz 101 tonight. Thank you, Tom. Uh, Where did you find your passion for the blues? For me, music has always been the soundtrack of a particular historic time. And so uh, when I was in the um, Navy around the time of the Vietnam War, I was stationed down south. And um, I was familiar somewhat with soul music, but I wasn't uh, prepared for it to the extent that the music in the south was different from the music that I heard here in Baltimore, which was basically Motown-based, Philly-based R&B. Uh, down south, it was more soul-based, more blues-based. And it seems to blues and uh, bluesy soul seem to speak to that particular area of the country and that particular culture. So uh, blues to me and my passion for it came out of my interest in history and interest in anthropology and interest in people and the uh, music that they make to signify themselves and their culture. You know, we're talking about blues and jazz. They're two American art forms that are made in America by Americans. You know, it's a melting pot that created this kind of music. Um, I had a, a conversation with a previous guest and we both agreed that, you know, it's basically it's a narrative. The music actually is a narrative to how our struggles are in the country. Sure. Well, you know, as, as I said, it's, it's a soundtrack. You know, when you look at a movie, you have the uh, soundtrack in the background uh, with uh, what we have as a people. What, uh, as we go through history, as we go through our culture, we create this music that kind of uh, signifies that. Now, and you stayed a fan for, for blues, for, you know, for your whole life. Uh, currently, you're, you're working with the Baltimore Blues Society, and you wrote a really an extensive, well researched article on jazzy blues. Let's talk about the Baltimore Blues Society, what your involvement and and how do they keep the blues alive? And then let's talk about the article that you wrote and uh, the amount of time that you put into it and what you what you learned from, from doing your research with it. Sure, thank you. Well, the Baltimore Blues Society uh, has been around for 30 years. It's amazing that we've been around that long. We started in the mid-'80s. Uh, it was started by some uh, blues fans uh, down in Fells Point area. Our, our mission statement is to provide a forum Uh, for uh, the blues to um, promulgate this art form to the people, to provide a touring space for National Blues Act, and to educate people about this, uh, the only authentic American art form, which is the blues. Yeah, I find that the the blues is intertwined in in basically all R&B pop music. You know, some people think it's more of a Southern-only uh, maybe it has a, a stigma of like at the past, but the blues is intertwined basically in everything that's out there right now. Sure, sure. The uh, blues is a uh, it's the the uh, antecedents for the blues comes out of the South, comes out of the Deep South, uh, Mississippi, Texas primarily, and you did have another type of blues called the Piedmont blues, which was more integrated. But the uh, blues that we experienced, you know, Muddy Waters, uh, Howlin' Wolf, uh, that all came out of Mississippi. It's definitely a Southern uh, art form there. Now, our show's called Jazz 101, but what we're finding, you know, through our conversations is that everything is a, just a melting pot and everything's related. And, wow, we, we put jazz in a category and, you know, people are like, oh, I like jazz or I don't like jazz. Uh, jazz is basically in everything you hear. And here you have blues. Uh, people are like, oh, I don't like the blues or I do like the blues. And at the same time, that's in everything that you hear. So uh, it's really more of an education to find, to, to let people know that uh, this music is intertwined all over the place. And I think now when people have access to the internet and YouTube, they have more access to to some great music and some historical music that they can turn around and really uh, explore the whole blues world. Sure. um, Blues is the foundation for uh, just about a lot of the music that we hear today. Out of blues came um, uh, rock and roll, doo-wop music, uh, out of a Blues came uh, metal, out of blues came soul. So blues, um, when you think about it, uh, my research uh, indicated, and I wrote an article on the blues influence on country music, American music comes uh, here, uh, it stands on two legs. 
Uh, it stands on the one leg, the music that came over, that was came over with the enslaved Africans, and on the other leg, music that, that came over uh, from the British Isles. And so the music that came from the British Isles, you know, you get your country, your, uh, blue, your bluegrass, uh, your um, Irish ballads, and then from the blues, of course, you get the other types of American music. Those are the two. Any, any music that you listen to in this country that's, that you can say is American either come from the Africans that came over or the Scots-Irish uh, with their British-based music that came over also. Jazz developed along with the blues. Um, it's, it's a, a difference my research showed me. Uh, they developed kind of concurrently uh, from the South. Jazz primarily came out of New, or- New Orleans, whereas the blues came out of, as I said before, Mississippi, Texas there. Now, jazzy blues, uh, which is a, a term that I, I didn't coin, but a, a, something that I think is a really significant, came out of two different strands there. Blues itself uh, is, blues music is credited, the blues founder, blues is credited to be W.C. Handy. And he published uh, one of the first blues songs called Memphis Blues in 1912. According to W.C. Handy, he was on a uh, train in Tennessee, and he heard African-American, but he saw and heard African-American playing a guitar uh, with a knife as a, um, you know, rubbing a knife up and down the uh, board at the uh, top. And he was so fascinated with this, and uh, the uh, person who was doing it was singing about the blues. W.C. Handy then went and started incorporating some of the structures that he heard at that uh, that first time into some of his own music. And so W.C. Handy is the uh, founder of the uh, blues. You know, uh, you had chosen St. Louis blues as uh, an example of a jazzy blues for W.C. Handy. You know, there is a, a museum uh, located just where he would live in Memphis. And uh, he was also credited just for putting music down on paper. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was where he had a lot of credit. He became a historian of, of uh, tunes that already existed. Let's talk about St. Louis Blues. Why did you pick that song, and what is the, the connection to, say, jazzy blues for that? St. Louis Blues to the modern ear is not going to sound very, very bluesy. And that's because uh, the musical vocabulary of W.C. Handy was uh, steeped in uh, brass bands. You know, brass bands was something that was really big during, during that time. So I wanted to show the progression of the blues and jazzy blues is that it didn't start out in, in terms of the recorded type of blues as being a blues that we think of today. It was more brass band influence. Uh, this is pre-jazz. Uh, you might even think of um, a type of uh, music that is... There's kind of a, a marching, like, you know, like marching brass to some of his stuff. Exactly, exactly. You know, and that was very popular at the time. Martial music, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. that that whole brass brass band piece piece there. So this is the antecedents for the um, blues that we hear today is uh, W.C. Handy. Now, out of that, out of the W.C. Handy piece there, you get your classic blues women. And that's when we get into the Bessie Smiths the Mamie Smiths, and the Ma Rainey's. Now, they're more of a closely aligned to the W.C. Handy uh, type of music of that time. So we're talking about World War I, and uh, so uh, that's why I chose a, a W.C. Handy piece just to show exactly how this started, and then we're going to show how it actually changed over.
So our next um, person that you had chosen is Charlie Patton. The song is called Mississippi Bow Weevil Blues. Yes, yes. That's a cool name for a song. <laughs> um, give me a little information about Charlie uh, Patton, and then why did you pick that song? Well, Charlie Patton uh, is considered to, to be the founder of Mississippi Delta Blues. Now, when we talk about Mississippi Delta Blues, we're, we're, we're talking about the uh, blues of that we identify today with the blues, of Muddy Waters, who came out of Mississippi, Holland Wolf, who came out of Mississippi, Robert Johnson, that uh, influenced a bands like Cream. He, he, Led Zeppelin. Uh, Led Zeppelin, he was a protege of, of Charlie Patton. So Charlie Patton actually would be the founder of the, of the Mississippi Delta Blues there. Now, I chose Mississippi Bo Weevil because, as I said, at the, top, at the top of the show, music is a soundtrack of a time. And so the bow weevil, or which is an insect, preyed on the uh, cotton fields in Mississippi and it devastated the economy in Mississippi because, uh, because the South, especially Mississippi, the economy was based on cotton. And if you have an insect that's going, going to destroy your crop, then you're going to change the economic, social, cultural foundations and independence of that society. So the bow weevil infestation was major and kind of contributed to the great black migration because uh, blacks started to leave the South uh, uh, for that and other reasons, and started to, to move north. So blues artists then uh, actually uh, wrote about their times. They were actually folk singers. They they chronicled what was going on. So that's why I, I chose that Mississippi uh, Bow Weevil Blues to talk about that and also talk about the founder of the Mississippi Delta Movement. So the the next artist that you picked was uh, Sunhouse, who's a big favorite of mine. Uh, the song that you chose was Death Letter Blues. Why did you choose that song, and can you give us a little more information on Sunhouse? Uh, Sunhouse was one of the artists that was rediscovered uh, in the 1960s. He was living in uh, upstate New York at the time, and he became a major star a second time. But he, uh, in addition to Charlie Patton, were also considered founders of the Mississippi Delta Blues movement there. And uh, Death Letter Blues, I think, is a wonderful example of the slide uh, guitar that this particular cadre of blues men in Mississippi were famous for and the and the passion that he uh, played in his music he actually uh, he would it seemed like he was attacking yeah. his guitar it's just an amazing song and I think it's a good example of early Mississippi blues it's that pulsive almost percussive bass uh, music that was brought over from Africa. And the uh, thing about Mississippi and Mississippi music, uh, Mississippi was a very isolated area during slavery. There were uh, very few whites there. You know, you would have uh, populations where uh, enslaved Africans were uh, 60, 70 percent, and they were able to maintain their culture. So you see a lot of African culture that was able to be maintained as opposed to, say, on the West Coast and on the East Coast. The isolation of, the, uh, of Africans in Mississippi allowed them to maintain some of, some of that African culture. If your man get personal, won't you have your phone? If your man get personal, won't you have your phone? Let's come on back to Pride Point, Mama, and bail up all night The next person is Robert Johnson, who has a really great story behind him. And the song that you chose was the Traveling Riverside Blues. And I believe that that's a song that was also covered by Led Zeppelin. And uh, the box set, when it came out, 
um, oh gee, I guess in early 90s, uh, really showed every single take of his songs and really made him famous mm-hmm. all over again. Uh, what is your or thoughts about Robert Johnson and, and why did you choose this song? Well, you know, you can't talk about Mississippi Delta Blues without Robert Johnson. Uh, Robert Johnson would have been a uh, second generation blues man. Uh, Charlie Patton would have been his senior and Sunhouse would have been his senior. But from Robert Johnson, we get that whole mythology, uh, that whole exciting story about Mississippi uh, blues man of uh, going to the crossroads which is one of his songs and making a making a um, a deal with the devil that if you allow me to uh, be the top blues man out here I would I would sell my soul to you of course all that's myth but that's part of that mythology it's a great story uh, of 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 the Delta blues and someone who loved him was Eric Clapton yeah Uh, one of his first major bands cream uh, did uh, Crossroad Blues. So Robert Johnson is one of those mythical figures uh, in the uh, blues. And so those are those are three, uh, uh, Sunhouse, Charlie Patton, Robert Johnson, I, uh, I think kind of uh, good examples of that whole Mississippi blues music and that whole culture. And they kind of um, really put out that soundtrack uh, for that time and for those people. They traveled from plantation to plantation, Plan for this isolated, hard-working, segregated, Jim Crow-affected uh, group of people. And uh, they carried the news. They uh, carried the music. They carried the entertainment. They were integral parts of that community. If you just joined us, you're just listening to Jazz 101. Tonight we have Bradley Alston in the studio, and we're talking about jazz and blues, or jazzy blues. artist that you have is Manny Smith. Yes. And the song that you chose was Crazy Blues. I'm not familiar with Manny Smith. Uh, could you give us a little background on, sure, on her? Sure, sure. Mamie Smith is credited uh, in Crazy Blues. Uh, is credited with being the first blues song ever recorded. The first blues song ever recorded. W.C. Handy, uh, he had blues in his title, but as, as we said before, that was more martial, more uh, brass band music. The first blues uh, is Crazy Blues, and that was by uh, Mamie uh, Smith. So uh, uh, that's why she's there. Uh, Mamie Smith, Bessie Smith, who we're going to hear, and Ma Rainey, their type of music was de- developing along the same time that uh, the music of Charlie Patton, Son House, and Robert Johnson was developing. Developing separately, both blues-based, but they were uh, developing in uh, different parts of the musical spectrum there. So we showed the Mississippi Delta Blues, and now we're going to be showing the um, what's called the Classic Women blues and uh and those two are the two foundations for jazzy blues those two are going to come together so crazy blues again to the modern ear it's not going to sound very bluesy but they do employ that uh, blues structure what uh, musicologists call that aab rhyming scheme foundation for the uh, blues structure typified by the 12 bar structure and three line verse that follows when it comes to jazz which is running parallel to this time period uh, just because it was you know jazz i guess jazz artists that are that are accompanying her or is it the style of music is is more brass oriented than huh. before guitar yeah it's it's um you know it's uh, they're they're playing she's she's playing with a jazz artist and i think that we have to go back to that time whereas um in the black community for the most part there was not a uh, a line between blues and jazz and brass bands, it, it all kind of meld together. And so listening to a, Ma, a, a Mamie Smith or Bessie Smith or Ma Rainey, it's not going to sound very bluesy to us, but to them, the people who practice it, they were calling it blues, and they were inventing some 
blue structures that we use today. Bessie Smith is probably considered one of the premier blues singers of all time. Mm-hmm. I love the song that you you chose to talk about, which is "Give Me a Pigfoot and a Bottle of Beer." Mm-hmm. Uh, what is your, your what is your reasoning for that song? And uh, what's a little background on Bessie in case someone is not familiar with? It? Well, the uh, song I just love that song. "Give Me a Pigfoot and a Bottle of Beer." At the top of the show, we talked about, and we're going to say this a lot: music being the soundtrack for a particular time. And the biggest thing that's going on now, Tom, uh, is the great black migration, which starts around World War I. And the great black migration started because of what was going on in the South with the lynchings. But then at the same time, World War I stopped a lot of European immigration coming to this country. You have a lot of uh, whites going over to fight the war, and you have a need for wartime production. So you have jobs that's opening up in the North, and so blacks are starting to move to a uh, to move to the north. And so the music reflects that. So Bessie Smith, Mamie Smith, Ma Rainey kind of reflects a more of a moving kind of north. It's a, it's a more sophisticated kind of blues than the Charlie Patton, Sunhouse, and Robert Johnson, which stayed primarily in the south. So with this music, and the reason why I chose this music, this particular song and these three artists, is because it shows the soundtrack of a migration, a migration of a people that's on the move, that's, that's on the move there. Pig Feet, of, of course, uh, kind of talks to the diet, Southern African-Americans, uh, which was kind of pork-based, uh, soul food. Um, so it kind of talks about that, and I, and I just thought it was a fun song. And also, I, they're having access to studios, movie studios. I mean, Bessie Smith was featured in movies and was able to be seen around the, the globe. Sure, absolutely. And w- which really opened up the the whole uh, blues market and uh, also made her a superstar. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you jumped right to, I guess, the queen, right? It went right up to Billie Holiday with yeah. uh, Fine and Mellow. Sometimes I don't feel like we need to talk about like her background because mm-hmm. if you don't know Billie Holiday, <clears throat> I don't know what planet you're on. Yeah. But, but um, you picked Fine and Mellow, and uh, why that song? Because her catalog is really, really intense, and there's really some good stuff in there. Sure, sure. Billy, of, of, of course, uh, uh, lived in Baltimore. Uh, she was born in Philly, but she lived in Baltimore, uh, and down in Fells Point on a Durham Street. She uh, left here and went to New York in uh, 1929 uh, with, with her mother. A lot of her music is uh, really, really bluesy. It's jazz but it's like really really bluesy you can hear that blues influence there 
However, the only blues song that she ever made, the only blues song that she ever wrote was Fine and Mellow. And I think this is a perfect example of a jazzy blues um, production here. And I, and I, and I, I just think that is, that is wonderful. That's a great song. Yeah. Coltrane song you have listed. It's it's a song that he made. Uh, it's on his uh, album. Um, John Coltrane plays the blues. Uh, John Coltrane was a blues-based uh, jazz musician, um, and of course he did a lot of other things. He did bebop. Um, uh, he was great in whatever that he did. He did outside music. Uh, he uh, he was just fantastic. But his but his foundation was the blues, and I chose this song because I wanted to kind of cover two tracks here. Uh, one of the early jazzy blues musicians out of um, New Orleans, born in, in 1897, was a Sidney Bechet. And Sidney Bechet was a clarinetist, he was also a saxophonist, who really did a lot of uh, jazzy blues stuff. And uh, he was a, a big influence on Louis Armstrong. Uh, and so John Coltrane played, produced this song that was a homage to Sidney Bechet called Blues for Bechet. And so that's and so that's what we hear now.
call it stormy Monday But twos is just as bad Call it stormy Monday Twos is just as bad okay, The next person you picked was Stormy Monday Blues uh, it's a T-Bone Walker song. Mm-hmm. Give me a little more information on T-Bone Walker and why did you pick Stormy Monday Blues? Well, you bring this up to how all this comes together. You have on one hand, uh, you have the Southern Rural Blues of Charlie Patton, Sunhouse, and Robert Johnson. Developing, which is definitely blues, blues bass, country blues. On the other hand, development at the same time, Recording around the same time, you have the uh, jazz-influenced uh, Southern music of Mamie Smith, Bessie Smith, and Ma Rainey. All this time comes together around the 1940s, uh, late 1939, around the 1940s, with a gentleman named T-Bone Walker. Now, T-Bone Walker uh, is a Texan, a lot of, um, and he had his own um, deep blues coming out of Texas. Um, uh, with Blind Lemon Jefferson. He was a protege of Blind Lemon Jefferson, who was blind, and he led Blind Lemon Jefferson around the uh, uh, Texas countryside, uh, and he learned how to play from Blind Lemon Jefferson. He also uh, worked very closely with some of the other really, really fantastic bluesmen of uh, that time. Uh, Lead Belly was someone who had an influence on him. So T-Bone Walker is credited with being the first uh, person to put all this together. He put the country blues together with the swing music, kind of jazzy swing music that was pretty prevalent during World War I. And, um, and T-Bone Walker's Stormy Monday Blues is one of the classics of uh, blues music. Uh, and I also want to add that he was uh, a big influence on people like Pee Wee Creighton, Lowell Forson, Dwayne Allman, Albert Collins, Johnny Winters, and especially B.B. Uh, King. Now, I'm not really familiar with him, but I'm going to have to really do some research. Mm-hmm. Sounds like all things kind of go to this point. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he is the one, that, the gatekeeper of more more the modern jazz. Jazzy uh, jazz blues. And, jazz and yeah, blues. Yeah, yeah. Jazz, uh, if uh, you want to look up jazzy blues, of course, this is this is not true, but, but if there was a jazzy blues dictionary, if you look it up, you will see a picture of T-Bone Walker. And if you listen to this, this is like a perfect example of how it all comes together now. Now, the next person that you have is Eddie Cleanhead Vincent yes. with the Cleanhead Blues. Yes. And this is another gentleman I'm not really familiar with, but explain who he is and what's his relationship and why'd you pick this song, Cleanhead Blues? Eddie, uh, I call Eddie Cleanhead Vincent a bluesy jazz man and a jazzy blues man. He's, uh, as, a, as a teen, he uh, really was involved with the blues. He had toured with uh, uh, Big Bill Brunzi, who was a uh, big influence on Muddy Waters, uh, with another singer, blues singer named Lil uh, Green. And so he had this fantastic blues-based foundation. And then uh, in his early 20s, he, uh, he, he went and toured with a, a blues-influenced big band uh, by leader of Cody Williams. And then later on in the 40s, he started his own bebop band, and he had a young saxophonist in his band called John Coltrane. So he's coming from, uh, as T-Bone Walk, he's bringing all these influences together. And then he had a big influence on some groups down the road that we're going to talk about a little bit later on. But Eddie Clean hit Vincent, uh, whereas T-Bone Walker had that guitar. Uh, Eddie Clean hit Vincent showing you how that saxophone, how that saxophone can really be uh, one of the big things in uh, jazzy blues. And I guess historically now Chicago is becoming a, a blues mecca, jazz location. St. Louis, uh, New York, uh, Philadelphia has had um, some, some great history. So uh, in this case, uh, things are moving north. And, and still happening. Sure. Historically. Yeah, yeah. And, and, no, and, and of course, with, with that soundtrack, you still have that great, that great black migration going on. And the music is going to change as the people change. Folks call me Mr. Cleanhead. 
Jazz 101. Tonight we have Bradley Alston in the studio and we're talking about jazz and blues or jazzy blues. I often think of the life I live and it's a wonder I ain't dead Drinking and gambling Staying out all night Living in a fool's paradise My mother told me Father told me too Someday my child They will catch up with you Drinking and gambling Staying out all night Living in a fool's paradise. Now, Charles Brown, I do know him, so I feel good. Uh, <laughs> and that's okay. You don't have to know everything. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, Charles Brown, give a little background of him and uh, the song that you chose was uh, Fool's Paradise. Charles is um, someone who I had, I had a great chance to see, great, great fortune to see uh, up in Philadelphia. Uh, in the real early 90s, one of my big thrills was to see him at the Riverfront Blues Festival down at Penn's Landing okay. up, up in Philly. And uh, Charles, I think, is one of those really smooth, uh, almost kind of like Nat King Cole was a, one of his idols there. And uh, he kind of brings that uh, jazzy blues feel, but uh, kind of a Nat King Cole kind of feel there, uh, kind of smooth, kind of suave. And I, and, I, and I just think that he... Uh, is a good example of exactly how you can do jazzy blues, but do it in a different kind of way, even on the jazz side. More so, on the silky, uh, silky voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So kind, of, you know, kind of, kind of, kind of think of um, uh, Muddy Waters meets some Nat King Cold. You know, yeah. Doesn't sound bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He also had a lot of top forty hits. He yeah, he did. A, he's a, a big pop star. Uh, well, one of his right. biggest hit was "Merry Christmas, Baby." Yeah. 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 
Now, uh, there are other people during that time period that still had that same kind of vibe. And I know that we're getting this, st- we're getting close to the Stacks vault time period, mm-hmm. which we're really able to, to pick up that blues influence and, and turn it into, you know, very commercial sounding pop songs. Sure, sure. You know, we're actually getting over into a soul. Uh, soul blues, uh, which could be another show. That I see another show coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I did an article. Actually, I did a two part article on uh, soul blues, and that's a whole, and that's a fascinating uh, subject. There, soul music, of course, uh, soundtrack again. Uh, soul music was a soundtrack of the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. The next person that you picked. Well, the song is called Willow We For Me, which yeah. is a classic. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm going to stumble over the name Gene Ammons. Yes, Gene Ammons uh, on saxophone and uh, Richard Groove Holmes on uh, Hammond B3 organ. Okay. We're moving forward now. Uh, this is like the 60s time, uh, late 50s. Uh, they're uh, big in the 60s, going to the 70s here. And, um, and I chose this particular song. Uh, because I wanted to show a organ, how the organ and saxophone uh, can uh, evoke that uh, jazzy blues feeling. You can hear the uh, blues influence there. You have that jazzy blues influence. Wonderful song in the 60s, 70s, maybe to the early 80s. You had a lot of uh, organ-based uh, jazz. Uh, Jimmy Smith would be one of the good examples of that Um uh, Jimmy Smith him, himself, uh, uh, we had him at a, at a blues festival here, uh, at a jazz blues festival here at the Inner Harbor about uh, 92,
Okay. Our next one is uh, Big Joe Turner. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, he was uh, a leader of... Um, where was Big Joe Turner from? Kansas City. Okay. And who was he with? He, uh, uh, Big Joe Turner played with a uh, number of people. Um, he uh, was with uh, uh, Count uh, Basie. That's what I thought. Uh, Big uh, J. Machine. He also played uh, when he was in Kansas City with uh, Charlie Parker. Okay. Uh, Bird. So he, so he, so he comes out of that uh, Kansas City jazzy uh, blues uh, uh, epicenter that was going going on then. So uh, that's his foundation is Kansas City. When I started listening to some Count Basie songs and he was doing the lead, I was real confused by his voice because that's not what I expected to hear a jazz singer to sound like uh-huh and my point i felt he was very bluesy and very different than any kind of jazz lead at that time so i was really surprised that they picked him and how he became famous but he stayed famous for a real i mean for his whole career a very 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 long time and he uh, crossed over uh and i uh, was one of the f- uh, founders of a uh, rock and roll you yeah. know uh, one of his biggest songs was shake rattle and roll yeah, I believe he's in the uh, Hall of Fame. Yeah. Yeah. One is, of the first is. ones. Yeah. You know, but uh, that's a good point that you make there, uh, Tom. Fans uh, like Count Basie, uh, Charlie Parker, uh, they were jazz artists, absolutely. But they came out of out of this cauldron uh, in Kansas City where blues and jazz kind of interchanged, kind of interfaced very, very freely. And Count Basie never lost uh, that uh, blues tinge to his music. You know, he he wouldn't be a jazzy blues artist, but you can hear some of that blues there. Definitely, definitely. And it's it's interesting, uh, Count Basie, just going back and listening to the Big Joe Turner um, leads, you almost feel that that there were actual blues songs just with a big band behind it. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty interesting. Now, the song that you picked was Martin Luther King's Southside. So explain that song and uh, what's the time frame and why did you choose that song? Sure. Um, you know, once again, uh, we're talking about blues music, jazz music being the soundtrack of a time. This is uh, going to be uh, right after, a couple years after Martin Luther King was assassinated. Uh, at the time... A lot of the urban cities were changing the names of a town, of, of a street, to Martin Luther King. You know, we have Martin Luther King Boulevard here in Baltimore. Uh, there's Martin Luther King Southside in uh, Chicago. And so uh, I just wanted to show how, how relevant this music is and how it's a soundtrack of what was going on. This particular song, I think, is a good example of jazzy blues. In fact, uh, Sonny Stitt uh, is uh, playing a saxophone. Uh, on uh, this particular piece here. And uh, Pee Wee Creighton, uh, a, a jazz guitarist, jazzy blues guitarist, is also on this as well. So this kind of shows how all this comes together there. The next artist that you have is someone, I think they're still touring, correct? Sure. Yeah, so we're at the Room Full of Blues, and the song that you chose was Black Knight. Where are the Room Full of Blues located, uh, where they originate? Chicago? No, no. A Room Full of Blues come out of New New England. Oh, okay. Uh, They're out of New England, and so now we're moving really, really into the present now. This music... uh, Jazzy Blues is picked up by uh, young white musicians uh, in the North. And uh, one of the 
biggest fans of this music is a, a group of young kids out of New England, and they call themselves Room Full of Blues. And they actually go out and they uh, contact uh, Big Joe Turner, and they uh, ask him to record with them, which Big Joe Turner does. They get some notoriety, notoriety they get some uh, fame, and then the next they go out and they, they recruit Eddie Cleanhead Vincent, who we played earlier, to record uh, with for them. And so, who's current his music on today? Because we're up to the present now. Who's current his music on today are groups like Rumful of Blues. Um, and so, I thought this would be a wonderful example to show exactly how we're bringing this music forward. Now, the song Black Knight, what would, why did you choose that song? Just uh, a, a, a song that I thought was a good example of, of uh, how you hear the foundations of what came before and they're putting their own stamp on it and how it's going forward. Because this music always changed. You have anything else you want you have on your cards that maybe I, I can put in we, we hit it all That's we did it. pretty good didn't we yeah we did we all did. right I mean, let's do the ending uh bradley thank you so much for joining me on jazz 101 sure thank you thank you jazz 101 is recorded at weaa fm morgan state university the home of cool jazz and more our producer is tyron rice until next time let's make jazz great again mm-hmm.